The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome. I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. Have you ever been so bored that you just began to eat so you had something to do? Have you ever paid for a tour of a European city only to be asked by your bored teenagers, can we leave now? Have you ever stood in front of a little whining six-year-old surrounded by toys who was moaning about being bored? Being bored goes with being human, and it may be more important than we think. We are so fortunate to have as our guest today, Dr. Deb Sarani, renowned author and psychologist who returns to Psych Up Live to invite a close look at boredom in both adults and children and who will be reading her new and beautifully illustrated children's book, Sometimes When I'm Bored. Dr. Serrani will consider what boredom feels like for adults and children. She will address the importance of boredom as a signal and how adults can help themselves and their children redirect feelings to deal with boredom. Dr. Deborah Serrani is a go-to expert on psychological issues. Her interviews can be found on CNN, Newsday, The New York Times, The Chicago Tribune, Scientific American Mind, and radio stations like CBS and NPR. Dr. Serrani writes for Psychology Today and Esperanza Magazine. She's an adjunct professor at Adelphi University and is the author of many books, including the award-winning books Living with Depression, Depression and Your Child, A Guide for Parents and Caregivers, and Depression in Later Life, An Essential Guide. Dr. Deb Serrani, it is my privilege to welcome you back to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much, Suzanne. I'm always so happy to spend time with you on this great radio show. Thanks. So, Deb, let's start with the definition of boredom. What is boredom? Well, boredom is a neurological state where cognitively and emotionally, we find ourselves at an impasse. And most individuals will experience this as an unpleasant experience. Uh, children and adults will often say, you know, it's, this is something I don't like. I'm so bored. I hate this. But the negative connotation of boredom is something that we for many years have missed a great opportunity. A lot of researchers have been saying that boredom is a signal for something new that we shouldn't look at it as a negative thing, but as a challenge to spur wonder and to find where our next left turn is going to take us. Mm -hmm. So boredom does not have to be a very negative experience. And um, that's why I wrote Sometimes When I'm Bored to help parents and children use this experience as a springboard for something more. Hmm. Um, I know you know this book because you suggested this book. Uh, It's a very good book, Out of My Skull, The Psychology of Boredom. And the authors of that book, 
Debs, talk about the fact that boredom emerges from a way the way we come together with the world, someone in the workplace, a little one in the playroom. At the moment, there's no fit. That is, there's nothing matching up with what they need or what would intrigue them at the moment. There's a strong mismatch. Now, as you say, we want to take the blame out of boredom. But if we think about it as, wait a minute, at this place in time, you're not matching up with your options for what you can do. So it's a point of reflection, but it's a point that we tend, as you say, to put ourselves down about or to search for a quick fix. Let's talk about the quick fixes, Deb. Well, um, Dankert and Eastwood, who wrote this book, uh, I love this book uh, out of my skull. It's, It's not just for Uh, anybody in the mental health field. It's really a great read for anyone who's interested in understanding the neuroscience of boredom, the history of boredom, and ways for us to offset it. Um, And they talk about that boredom is a call to action, that it's something for us, As again, as you said in the beginning, it's a signal that something isn't right, something isn't fitting, our cognition, our ability to think and plan and do suddenly has hit a barrier. And sometimes the quick fixes, a cup of coffee uh, or, um, you know, tapping one's pencil or rest, rest you know, uh, being restless in your legs for adults, we, tr- we try to change the environment to offset our boredom, which really isn't the answer. The answer is a far more internal one. And that's similar for children. Sometimes the quick fix for boredom is, you know what, why don't you go out and play? Uh, or, you know, you're so bored after school, let's let's sign you up for this extracurricular activity, which may not really be the, the best fit for the child. Right. Just because it's been a direction that's been given that will cure, in a sense, this flatness of... Um, of boredom and restlessness. It may not really be the key answer, which is what research are asking us to do, to mm. become more mindful about what does boredom instill in us and reflect in us with regard to our wants, thoughts, and dreams. And I think in line with that, we have to recognize people uh, have different um, levels of boredom and different sensation-seeking needs. Sometimes a parent will say, I was never bored. How mm. could you be bored? Mm. Which the implication is that something's wrong with you because you're bored. Right. I'm going to tell a quick story about the difference of boredom. So my husband and I are in Banff and we're on a biking trail and the trail is gravel and we have music playing to keep away the bears And I'm a little nervous, but we're rolling pretty good, at which point we see on our right a sharp downward mountain trail. And my husband says, let's take that. I said, let's take that. I don't want to take that. He goes, oh, this is a boring trail. Let's take that. I thought to myself, gravel bears how could this be a boring trail for him so i said now i'm not taking that so he said okay blow your whistle if you need me and he took off and met me around the bend there's no way on earth debbie that i was going down that path 
But but clearly, he was at a point where this trail was no longer a fit for him. Right. When he saw that, he said, like like many people who like sensation and are athletic, he said, I got to take that path. So mm-hmm. it's interesting coming to grips with not imposing our standards for what's interesting or right. our definition of boredom in a way that makes somebody feel um, not okay. Because if we add not okay, um, mm-hmm. self-critical, we're going to take away the, the ability to use that boredom as a really important point of discernment, of change, as you say. It's a very important point to preserve. Right. There's a, there's an element of self-discovery that occurs even in your example. Uh, you know, your husband needed to experience something a bit more challenging. <laughs> you were, this is challenging enough and I'm fine with this. I'm certainly not bored. Um, and we do that sometimes with children. As, and I, I see this a lot in my practice. Sometimes very quiet, introverted children who say I'm bored are suddenly out, you know, playing field hockey and engaged in all of these very active experiences when the kids will tell me, you know, I I wouldn't have minded drawing or reading or playing my instrument. Um, And it's, it's like a directional loss. The parents think they're helping. The child is out doing these things. But the boredom and the restlessness is still percolating because the child hasn't discovered what fits yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is about being very respectful of your own particular interests and desires as well as your child's and re- respecting those differences or similarities if they do occur. Now, sometimes boredom is like a crisis. And we men- I mentioned this a little bit before the show. So in one case, it's a tech guy. He's a brilliant tech guy. And it hits him, I hate being at work. I'm bored at work. I know how to do this. I'm bored. I love art. And it takes accepting the fact that, okay, this is not a fit for me. I can't lose an income. Mm -hmm. And so he slowly investigates other options where he can use his artistic skills and graphic art skills in a tech environment. But I think if the only thing he had done is felt bad about being bored, how could I be bored in a job that's paying me this much? You know, the the point is, if it opens up possibilities, we want to be bored. We want to know that something doesn't fit. Right. We want we really want the intrinsic experience to come front and center. And, you know, we live such very busy lifestyles. And um, one of one of the papers that um, I remember heavily using in my writing was that we've become a non-boredom society and what a great loss it is. Mm-hmm. That bo- boredom is something that we should experience um, because it's really one of the defining ways for us to singular- singularly discover what it is we want, we like, we need, not based on anybody else's suggestions or directions. And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that our children are so overscheduled because boredom would be a welcome experience, even though it's a dreadful 
you know, I'm bored, mom, I'm bored, dad. Oh, this is so boring. Well, how do you, how do you make it unboring? Mm. Well, one of the things, and, and our listeners are going to hear it in the book, and the book's very applicable to adults, is, and I, I think of it having little grandchildren, that sometimes they do need some guidance. They may be staring at the the little cars, but if someone says, what would happen if we lined them all up and slid mm. them down? So when you are with children, one of the gifts, I think, is to play with them in a way where you invite them to be curious about the toys that they thought were so boring, because they're too young sometimes to make that jump, or to, or they just aren't thinking that way. But very often, they are given a gift that they are supposed to use in a certain way. I get excited when the, the kid uses it in a completely unexpected way. Right. But right. sometimes they really need to know, let's bring the firemen into the police guy's truck. <laughs> well, so that when you're playing with children, and Debbie's an expert as, as a child and adolescent therapist, the gift is to open the curiosity about how we turn the toys upside down to find something different about them. Right. Boredom in, invites risk. And risk is a great teacher for children. Risk says, what's the boundary? Can we cross it? Can we turn it on its head? How far can you go till you feel uncomfortable? And is that discomfort fun? Is it silly? Does it invite new problem solving? So when we do parallel and we sit with our children, if we're doing uh, activities or, you know, they run into a, uh, like you said, a, you know, I don't know what to do with these cars. These are boring. It's the unusual and the spectacular and the, the, um, the surprising that really starts to stimulate problem solving. Le it expands learning in children. And that's a form of confidence. The more children can play and risk and discover the the more they can they can really discover who they are um it's instead of this aimless boredom comes you know a unique kind of play like you know let's put all the blue cars together let's let's you know like this is why i love toys and things that can morph and transform into other things yes um it teaches children that what you see is not necessarily only what you have to get it, it's interesting. If we jump to teens for a minute, I was thinking about teens, and I think this is mentioned in the book, teens versus senior citizens. Senior citizens sometimes don't, they have the autonomy, but they don't have the capacity to drive across country. Right. The teen has the capacity to drive across country, but doesn't have the money, the autonomy, or the permission. <laughs> so sometimes boredom is a, is a function of different factors at different stages in the, in the life cycle. Right. And um, Dankert and, and Eastwood really talk about boredom through the life stages. And again, another great chapter in this book that I love. Um, and how important it is to developmentally address it. So, okay, we have a teenager who, who has all of this excited curiosity about the world, uh, but doesn't have the ability to travel cross country or this, that, or the other. How do, how do we as their parents spur this insight and interest uh, in a way where it can kind of not just necessarily cure the the, the boredom, but in, but enhance it in a way where 
we we teach a child to endlessly be curious. Curiosity is a, a wonderfully driving force, whether it's for learning or for physical sensation. Um, so yeah, and you know, how do we again help the older generation or the very very young generation? How do how do we achieve balancing? those boredom experiences in those developmental stages of, of life where they can have certain needs met. Okay, so you take a talc tour <laughs> if you can't drive across. Right. Have everybody do everything for you. They you'll, you'll never touch your luggage after you pack it. <laughs> um, you know, so so it, it it is a wonderful question and a wonderful embracing when we can say if we look at boredom at different age levels, how can we help that particular human being achieve a certain level of excitement and meaning in their life? Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Um, you've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Dr. Debbie Serrani, who's wonderful. She's returning to Psych Up Live to invite us to take a close look at boredom in both adults and children. We're going to come back from the break read with her reading her beautiful new book. And as you listen, you're going to hear, you won't see the illustrations, but you'll hear how relevant the, the suggestions and the handling of the child is to someone of any age. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. All who live face a time of passing. Is death the end or will souls enter an afterlife? Have you ever wondered about historical figures and what they would say if they were alive today? Psychics and authors Barry and Connie Strom will use their gift of spirit communication to answer questions and channel spirits concerning the hereafter. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Barry and Connie Strom at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your Midlife Roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You 
are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Hi, welcome back. We're with Dr. Deborah Serrani, and she's talking to us about boredom in adults and children. And right now, she's going to read her new and important book, Sometimes When I'm Bored. Listen into it, as you will see that it's it actually is applicable to someone at any age in terms of the way the parents of this little guy respond to his feeling sometimes when I'm bored. Go right ahead, Deb. Okay. Sometimes when I'm bored, nothing feels fun. I can't find anything to do. Sometimes I just stare out the window. Sometimes when I'm bored, everything bothers me. I don't like any of my toys, and I've read all my books. There's no one to play with, and I feel lonely. Sometimes when I'm bored, I feel tired. Other times, I just feel blah. Everything is the same. Ugh. Mama, I'm bored, I said. Wow, what a wonderful thing to be, she said. When you're bored, something special is waiting for you. How do I find it? By trying something new. Or by asking questions about things that make you curious, Mama said. Mama said that when I'm bored, I can also use my imagination, sing a song, or build things. Wondering can help take away feeling bored, Mama said. What do you wonder? I wonder where those birds are flying, I said. Do you think there's a nest nearby? Maybe there are babies in it. Daddy, I'm bored, I said. There's no one to play with. Playing pretend can help you f- can help you when you're feeling lonely, Daddy said. So can drawing a picture or writing a letter to someone. Sometimes I feel so sleepy when I'm bored, I said. You could listen to music or read, Daddy said. Or you could rest for a few minutes. Sometimes our bodies need a little quiet time. Daddy said that after I rest, my mind and body may be ready to do something fun. What about when everything is the same, I said. That's when you try something new, Daddy said. When you do something different, said Mama. Now when I'm bored, I can't think of anything to do. I get curious about the things around me. When I'm bored and nothing feels fun, I use my imagination. When I'm bored and everything feels blah, I do new things. When I'm bored and I feel lonely, I make a beautiful painting for my grandma or write my best friend a letter. Now when I'm bored, I know something special is waiting for me. I just have to find it. The end. 
It's beautiful, beautiful dip. And it's so applicable in so many ways. Let me ask you to to um, share with our listeners how, the different dimensions of what the parents shared and how that they could be used. And I'll think of some also. Well, uh, of course, when a child is bored, the, the one thing we don't want to do is just to give them some type of direction. Uh, a study in 2019 said that the modern child is so bored that when over 3,000 parents were asked what they do, the parental intervention was to enroll them in an extracurricular activity mm-hmm. instead of to just let them sit and kind of stay with this bored feeling to discover what it is that they may want, wish, or dream. Um, so the the way that I kind of look at this is uh, to, to do things from the outside in. So when a child is bored, the parents suggest looking outwardly, being curious about the world around you. Um, and slowly but surely, you know, what do you see? What's out there? What do you wonder? Kind of spurring this type of cognitive thinking. And then we want to look at more of the behavioral pieces. The parents will suggest, you know, doing something in in um, relation to the curiosity that's going on outside. Well, I wonder if there's baby birds in the nest, or I wonder, um, you know, maybe I'll I'll do some drawing, or I'll use my imagination. And then the parents move on to um, addressing some of the more physiological pieces of boredom, because sometimes little ones are just so physically, somatically oriented. They they may be saying they're bored, but they're really not in touch with their body in the sense that maybe they need a nap, maybe they're feeling tired, maybe they're hungry and they need a little snack. So um, the parents address those particular issues in the book of saying, you know, well, let's do a check, a checkup on, you know, how are you physiologically feeling? So when we take care of the inside and the outside for all of these basic security needs and curiosity pieces, we're helping to direct a child to say, you know, what can I do outwardly to address my boredom? And what can I check on inwardly on my own self-care? And that's what the parents do in this book in a very mindful way. They do. They do. And in a way, if we translated it to, let's say, an adult who feels the job so bored at work, when you think of some of the things, is there anything to be curious about? Is there anything that you wondered about in terms of the actual job you do and the um, expanding it and whether you can expand it in any kind of way to add something a little bit different? The other thing is, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. You go. (laughs) The other thing is sometimes I think like this little boy, people say they're bored when they're lonely. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, could I be lonely? You know what? I don't. I don't ever eat lunch with anyone. No one even eats lunch, so I don't know anybody. So, I mean, what what the parents do is open up possibilities. Or I, I said to Debbie before the break, 
having little grandchildren, they are much more eager to try things on their own and come up with ideas after a nap. So the nap, whether it's a reset that an adult takes at a lunchtime at work by taking a walk um, or closing their eyes in their car, whatever that happens to be, but physiologically, nothing feels right when you're exhausted. Right. Um, and so, as you've said, Deb, it's both physiological and psychological. And that's what the parents touch on. I love when the mother says, um, that means something wonderful is going to happen, because that's a total reframe of boredom. Right, right. Well, well, isn't this wonderful? You're bored? Isn't that great? <laughs> yes, yes. And and another thing, you know, that that we highlight when we in, embrace boredom for children and adults is this idea of agency, like the tech guy you were talking about who was really struggling with his career and feeling very closed off or or dissatisfied in some way. It, it really requires us to look at our own sense of control and our own sense of what's called agency. So, you know, what can you do where you can keep this job, but also add maybe some less structured time or um, find ways to involve creativity or or whatever it is that the boredom spurs in this particular person. Same thing with children. Um, you know, it's it's not always um, a bad thing to say, you know, am I bored? Is this, am I being avoidant? Is this a defense in some way that, you know, everything I'm trying to create or explore, I still am bored with that. You know, could it be something more? To me, boredom is always a first level um, symptom of something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do, we do look to um, the emotional pieces of kind of curing that and the physiological pieces, because we we do have sensations that can be sometimes numbed out or overridden by too much or understimulated and we need to invite more. But then there's this, this, this side of the agency and this er internal locus of control in our lives that um, boredom can spur as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I mentioned to, to Debbie at the break that one of the stories in the, in the book, um, Out of My Skull, um, a senior citizen gets arrested in a store like, I guess, CVS or that kind of a store for shoplifting. And the cop says, when they call the cop, the cop says, Marion, this is the third time I've been called in for you shoplifting. What's going on? And she says, I'm bored. Now, it's it's a funny story, but when I think about it, the question becomes, somehow Marion's not able to move to a different type of activity that would address the boredom that is appropriate. Right. And and right. actually that's that's why if you know you see a kid smoking or vaping and you ask them, well, what are you doing? And they're bored and they're just hanging and bored, we know that look, we know what happens with that. And so very often people get stuck in a rut, a kind of fix for boredom that actually disqualifies more constructive options. Right. I, I, I'm not sure if it's in uh, Out of My Skull or another another paper I might have read, um, but they 
they related boredom to being like an idling car. It's it, you're you're there, you've got the gas, you've got the momentum, but you just don't know what direction to go in. And for some, they hit the gas pedal too fast and too hard. And it's it's, you know, just out of not knowing what to do and and how to get it. Um, and uh, and others can stay in that idling car because they just don't have the ability to know what to do. Because that that's sometimes what kids will say. You said that earlier, like, you know, well, let's let's have the firemen go to the police station. You know, the child may not have thought I can I can mix this. I can you know integrate that. You know, pl- play can sometimes be very rigid. And the fluidity that comes as parents or educators or therapists, we invite them to think in a different way. So that idling car um, is is another great metaphor for, you know, what road do you want to take? Your husband Mm -hmm. wanted to take the very, you know, high impact, high, scary, you know, downward, you know, slope. And you're like, no, I'm 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 just fine with the bear. Watch. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, I think many of our listeners have probably heard of the concept flow. When you're doing something that so you engages you, and it could be cooking, it could be cleaning a closet, it could be walking, running, writing, that you hardly realize what time it is. And there's a correlation between the more flow people get into, the less bored they are. So Debbie and I were talking about What's tricky about boredom is it's a very uncomfortable feeling. So the quick fix to eat something, to get on your phone, to have a cigarette, to vape, whatever, it's going to help you, but it's, it's, it's not really a constructive alternative. But the more you have things in your life that you love to do, whether it's refinish, refinishing furniture or cooking, they may be some of your go-to places because they allow sometimes an openness or thinking. Sometimes I just start walking. And what I think about in walking, I used to be running, now it's walking, I never would have thought of sitting in the house. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will tell me when they're cooking, they get their best ideas. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, they're in the flow. And sometimes that's when things emerge, but we have to be able to give ourselves the gift of things that we just love to do, coloring for some children, music for some people, because I think, as we said, Deb, if we try to escape boredom very quickly, we may not find that it's something we can deal with because it's always going to be a point of attention in our life. Right, and I and I do think that tech, this technological society has impaired many young children in ways to just endure certain feeling states. And, and, you know, it's not to say that one should endure a terrible, horrible, depressive feeling state just for the sake of feeling it. But there's, there's too quick a, a reaction to, I don't like this. Let me, you know, get on my phone or I don't like this. Let me, you know, go play video mm-hmm. games. And, and enduring certain feeling states like boredom can slow brain waves down um, to, a reg- to almost like a regressive alpha and sometimes theta state, which the research says that's where, you know, we can 
really allow certain things that we might not be able to think because we're so busy enter into our consciousness. So that's that's what happens when when you're walking, that you know, you're in this time and space where your mind has this flow that allows certain thoughts in that might not have entered otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know for me, um, when when I am doing some deep meditative things, I I I can finish problems or finish a story or finish an article in in time where I know if I sat down and did it in a more alert state, I never would be able to get it. <laughs> right. And it's it's that that piece that I think we need to encourage our children to feel feelings, the discomfort, the discomforting ones a little bit more. And you know, that might be a that might be a hard thing for us to teach our kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I see this all the time in my practice that uh, you know, kids kids have a real tough time enduring many feelings that could spur other solving of problems. Mm -hmm. Deb, I'm going to have to stop you right here. We're going to take another quick break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're lucky enough to be with psychologist Dr. Deb Serrani. She just read her beautiful book, Sometimes When I'm Bored. And we're going to come back and continue the conversation of how do we deal with boredom and recognize it as a point of information rather than something to somehow get rid of as quick as possible. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It is time to change the negative narrative of divorce. Families are hungry for a different option. Listen to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. You will discover how to function as one family living in two homes. There are high-functioning, stable, and happy divorce families living in your neighborhood. What's their secret sauce? What did their journey look like? Do they have regrets or recommendations? Let's find out. It's never too late to have a good divorce. The Good Divorce Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Debbie Serrani, and we're going to turn um, the lens back to dealing with boredom in different life situations and at different ages. Um, One of the things that I mentioned to Deb is having spent um, much time in assisted living with my mom and my mother-in-law, these were very sharp ladies, and at times they were bored. And I was always bugging the staff to provide options for them. But at the same time, I knew that I also had to um, really figure out for them personally what would be something that they could embrace. And so, I, Debbie, let's talk about people in different circumstances. It could be seniors. It could be adults in workplaces where they have to stay in a job for the money, but they really, they're really bored to death in the job. Let's talk about handling that kind of boredom. Well, you know, there are some tips that boredom researchers uh, often uh, encourage us to to do, and I have five of them. Um, I'm mindful of the time, so I'll just kind of talk about them briefly. Um, the first one is to embrace the boredom, that understanding that boredom is a, is really a typically healthy response to a stimulation issue whether it's cognitive or emotionally based, and that it's an opportunity for discovery. So it's a signal for us to be curious. So, you know, just like with your mom and your mother-in-law, the the first thing was to say, okay, let's not minimize the idea of boredom. Let's embrace it and kind of go from there. The, The second tip is to spur wonder that, imagination and creativity needs to be integrated into the boredom moment. And when we think about, well, what is it that you'd like to do? Or where does your mind go when we say, if, if you're bored, what, 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 could, what, would, what would be of the greatest interest to you at this point? Or how can we create something fun for you to do? What comes to mind? Mm-hmm. So we want to spur the wonder. And then we need to be patient. We need to be patient about finding what those solutions are. So it may not be necessarily like the tech guy who says, you know, this job is just siphoning, you know, my soul. You know, I can't leave it. I need the income. But how do I integrate what I'm interested in doing? And how do I find a way to put that in living color? So it's hard to know what to do next. And sometimes we need to be patient about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also want to find ways to model problem-solving behavior, whether it's if, if whether it's for our children, our spouses, uh, other loved ones. We want to find ways to show others that you know I had this boredom issue, and this is what I've done in response to it. Because by doing that, we help others see it's okay to be bored. And there are solutions and positive outcomes that can occur. Mm-hmm. And of course, 
the last thing is to always be praising boredom in a positive way, not making a person feel bad about the boredom or feeling shamed about it because it's it's the connotation of being bored. We really have to flip on its head because boredom is a signal. It's, it's an, a, a cry for something more. And it does not have to mean that somebody is less than or imperfect or not trying hard enough. So those are the five areas to embrace boredom, spur wonder, be patient, model problem solving, and, and to praise, be, praise effort and embrace boredom in that way. Hmm. You know, when I think about it, whether it's a senior citizen in a facility or a little one, these are these are times in our when they are not authors of their own lives. Little mm-hmm. ones depend on other people and adults in in um whether they're living at home and they're somewhat housebound or they're in a facility, in many ways are no longer the author of their own lives. So in some ways it's terrific when they say they're bored. Because right. that, that's a great right, point. Yes, because then they're saying this is not working for me. Yeah, this isn't. Yeah, this isn't good for me. <laughs> this is not a fit. And so I remember with my mom, she kept looking outside, and I said, "Do you do you want to go out more?" And that was such a difference when it was set up that she would be outside every day. She was always an outside person, but I would not have gotten it had she not complained about being bored inside. That's right. And I think it's that you want your little one or your older loved one to tell you, I don't want to watch the movies in the room with them. I want to read in my own room mm-hmm. so that someone knows this person doesn't want to be in the giant room watching everyday morning TV. So right, but, right. Or so, I want to I want to take this trail instead of that trail. Yes, right. So <laughs> we want people actually to use boredom as a call for change and refocusing and resetting. Yes. Yes, they they talk, they talk about up-regulating, okay. um, to, to take the regulatory experience that's not serving you and, and kick it up a notch. So we want to up-regulate. Um, we, want, we want to find out, you know, the stepping stone. We're bored. Okay, what's the next step up? What do we do? So it's such an important point. I'm almost tempted to say, and it fits in with your other books of sometimes I'm sad, sometimes I'm mad, they're connected if we think, if we ask any adult, teen, um, or a little one, are you sad or mad? Maybe they're bored. Mm-hmm. That is, boredom may manifest as other feelings, and that can get a parent or a partner um, or a teacher confused. The kid who's kicking the toys is really maybe mad. He can't figure out what to do with them. Right, right, which you and I both know the work that we do to to help people understand the texture of their feelings and what they also mean. A feeling is not just something that's static. There's so many things attached to it. And, you know, it's all about understanding your mind and your body and your soul and what is it that you need. If you're mad, okay, that's a signal. If you're sad, all right, that's that's some type of alert going off. If you're bored, well, we need to look into that too. So, you know, these are these are wonderful emotions that don't necessarily have to have negative connotations. They're they're an invitation for more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um our our message is that 
if you dare to consider whether you're bored and you find out that you are, it doesn't mean uh, you should change everything in your life, but it does mean that you've just opened a door with curiosity to consider (laughs) what else could be in my life what else could be in this workplace that is boring and dangerous if I don't watch the uh, the uh, conveyor belt in front of me? Mm-hmm. Should I listen to music? Should mm-hmm. I look for somebody to have a, a nice lunch with? So I, I think we're trying to reframe boredom as, as a signal rather than a terrible thing to feel. Right. Yeah. My my takeaway is it's it's a call to action. It's not necessarily, I got to quit this job. I got to dump this relationship. I got to get out of Dodge City. It's no, what can I integrate? You know, what more, what quote unquote more do I need? Absolutely. Debbie, I want to thank you for coming on. And I want our listeners to know how they can find your work. Debbie also has written a, a cliffhanger novel called The Ninth Session. Um, she has all her books on depression, and she has three, and coming out a fourth one on when she has when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when I'm bored, and coming out in two, 2023 is when I'm worried for little ones. But I find your books are very translatable to any age, Deb. Thank you, Sue. So, um, go ahead. How could people find you? Just you can connect to my website. Um, Deborah Serrani, com, and that'll kind of be a good uh, satellite for you to kind of click on anything else on the website, my books or anything else. So that's that's an easy way to, to find me. Okay. Thanks again, Deb. I want to also thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, my website, the podcast app of iPhone, iTunes, Stitcher, almost all the platforms. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Most important until next week, be safe, stay well. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.